today on Access Health Radio, drugs you might want your doctor to de-prescribe. There might be better options. I'm Mike Slayman in for Mike Davis out today, uh, but we do have Dr. Brian Forrest along with us. Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show. I'm Dr. Brian Forrest, and this week we will be talking about how there may be some medications that are no longer the best choice for many conditions. They might even be harmful. And we'd like to acknowledge the companies that support our program. Thanks to Marley Drug in Winston-Salem for supporting our show. They mail order generic medications directly to your home with free shipping, often at costs that are much lower even than the big box pharmacies. Check them out at MarleyDrug.com. All right. Well, Dr. Forrest, uh, if people want more information after the show or they want to find out information about your practice, where can they find that? Well, if listeners want to send general non-emergent questions and possibly have their question answered on the show, they can go to our website at accesshealthradio.com. They can also send email directly to accesshealthradio at gmail.com and make sure you include your contact information so we can uh, thank you. If you would like uh, information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, you can go to acchealth.com. That's A-C-C-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And the phone number there is 919-363-0190. After the show, you can also listen to an on-demand podcast at WPTF.com, and we will provide links to that on our landing page at accesshealthradio.com. And you get a very interesting topic this week, uh, Dr. Forrest. Most people assume that if a medical professional recommends or prescribes a medication, that it is absolutely necessary and the best choice for them. So from what I understand, that's not always the case, right? Well, unfortunately, the safest medications are not always the ones that get recommended. There have been a lot of changes over the last 10 to 12 years in medicine, and one of those is instead of physicians and patients making uh, decisions about what medicine is best, often the financial concerns or the preferences of an insurance company may have a huge impact on those decisions. And there have been many advances in medical treatments with safer and more effective medications becoming available, but in many cases, the higher expense of those has made people pick more dangerous drugs. And the litmus test I like to use for this is, you know, I just don't recommend any medication for a patient that I would not be willing for my own family member or myself to take under the same circumstances. So if a medication is not something I would recommend for my own family, then I don't recommend it for patients. All right. So what are some examples specifically of medications that might be harmful or have some safer alternatives? Well, we could probably do a five-hour show on all of those, but what we're going to talk about today are some of the highlights and some of the ones that you know I think are commonly prescribed medications and have been prescribed a lot over the last 20 or 30 years that really we've done research recently that's, that's looked at the use of those over years to find out is there any benefit. So I'm going to start, we'll start with uh, the category of muscle relaxers. So, you know, this is a, a class that often gets prescribed for things like low back pain, um, and it is sedating. And in the elderly in particular, it can make uh, falls more likely, especially if it's combined with alcohol. And what we've found is, is it really doesn't work any better than using things like anti-inflammatories, like generic celecoxib, which is uh, what used to be brand name Celebrex. You know, we've actually found that it can be more effective than narcotic pain medicine in some cases for pain relief, and it's not sedating or habit-forming and is safer on your stomach than some of those other medicines in that family, like Advil or ibuprofen. Okay, well, we'll get back to more. It's uh, time right now, though, for the Anxious Health Tip of the Week. 
Well, the tip this week, because of the topic, is to let listeners know it's incredibly important that they understand that they should never stop or change one of their prescription medications without first discussing it with their own physician. Just stopping some medications can actually be dangerous and result in strokes and heart attacks if not properly done or if they're traded for alternatives. So uh, what we're talking about today is about you having a discussion with your physician about the possibility they may want to stop or change some medications, but you never want to do that without first consulting uh, your physician. Don't make any changes to your regimen unless you, you've consulted your own healthcare provider. Good advice there. Well, after the break, uh, Dr. Forrest, uh, you're going to go into some more detail on the medication that uh, you've mentioned here and, and give us some suggestions for alternatives to talk with your physician about. You're listening to Access Health Radio on News Radio 680 WPTF. Okay, we are back and I'm anxious to hear about the medicines that maybe people should talk with their doctor about. Well, yes, we're going to continue talking about medicines that, you know, have been used uh, worldwide for years that, uh, you know, maybe their time has passed and it's time for you to just discuss, have a discussion with your physician about, you know, is this the best choice for me to continue? Uh, You know, do some research on it. Talk with your physician about it. They may decide for these medications that, in fact, it is the best medication for you to take. But we just want to bring up on the show today some examples of some ones that, uh, you know, have sort of fallen out of favor. You know, as research has been done over the last 20 years, we found that some of these, uh, you know, aren't as uh, useful as we thought they were, and in some cases are actually more harmful than good. So uh, continuing with that, we're going to talk next about a common medication called digoxin. Uh, It goes by another name, lenoxin. It was first developed in the 1930s. And this is an interesting medication because it actually comes from a plant called foxglove, which some people have growing out in their yard. It was used for years to treat heart arrhythmias, including a common arrhythmia called atrial fibrillation. However, recent studies have shown that that when people take digoxin, their risk of dying prematurely increases by 21%. And even worse, if you were taking it for an irregular heartbeat, you had a 29% increased risk of dying early. So, you know, patients that took it for heart failure also had a significant increase in early death. Uh, So there are lots of safer alternatives. Some physicians will use a class of medications called calcium channel blockers like diltiazem, and others use medications like beta blockers for these type symptoms. The bottom line is there are safer choices in modern medicine, even some that are generic and fairly inexpensive that can treat the same conditions as digoxin can. The other downside to digoxin is that because it can be so toxic, most patients will have to get their blood checked on a routine basis just to make sure it's not getting to dangerous levels. So next we're going to talk about another class of medications. Uh, You know, sometimes people call these the sedative hypnotics, but uh, these are medicines uh, that we use in medicine. We, uh, We call them benzodiazepines. And the benzodiazepines are used to treat anxiety, sleep problems, muscle spasms, and they have some real downsides too. They can cause memory loss. They can cause uh, abnormal sleepwalking. Uh, And when I say abnormal sleepwalking, I'm talking about, uh, you know, things have happened like people getting up in the middle of the night, going out to their garage, getting on their riding lawnmower, starting the riding lawnmower, and waking up in the morning never realizing what had happened. And uh, that can be, you know, dangerous, especially potentially in elderly patients. 
So, and the bigger problem is when you mix these medicines uh, with any type of a narcotic pain medicine, they can actually stop your breathing. So I'm sure people have heard about the, the increased deaths from uh, opioids. Well, it's not always just the opioids themselves. A lot of times it's when they are combined with these uh, benzodiazepines. And let me give an example of some of the, the common names for these. They would be things like uh, Valium, Ativan, Clonopin, uh, Ambien, um, cl- uh, those types medicines, and they usually will end in PAM, like lorazepam, uh, diazepam, that type thing. So those medications, particularly in the elderly, particularly people who are uh, on any strong narcotic pain medicine, can be very dangerous, and there can be other options that can work equally well. Let me ask you about um, blood thinners, all right? Uh, uh, you got Coumadin, you got Warfarin. Uh, I've known a lot of people over the years that have had taken uh, those type of medications as blood thinners. Are there any better options, though? Well, you bring up a great uh, category. So uh, blood thinners is one of the type medications where we've really come a long way. So Coumadin or Warfarin is sometimes known, has been very widely prescribed over the years. And people who've been on it probably have been cautioned by their physician about eating things like leafy greens uh, because that can make the medication not work. And it's because the vi- that drug works by affecting the vitamin's ability to make your uh, blood clot. So what many may not know is this drug actually used to be a common pesticide um, and was used to make rat poison for years. So patients who have taken it um, have known that, and they know that they have to get their blood checked often to make sure it's in a safe range. And that's part of the problem. Physicians do not make a profit on selling Coumadin, but many of the clinics make a lot of money on the blood testing for checking to see if the Coumadin levels are normal. And there are entire clinics that are focused on just testing and monitoring that medication. Therefore, some of those clinics have been fairly reluctant to change to newer medications and, you know, medications that don't require testing because most of the newer blood thinners don't require any kind of blood testing whatsoever. And so for those physicians, uh, that could be a potential loss of income uh, if they use the newer medications. But the newer medications called NOACs. Uh, have been shown by the FDA to be safer than Coumadin in terms of risk of bleeding. They've been shown to be more effective in many cases in preventing strokes or clots. And to my way of thinking, if we have medications that have been proven to be safer and more effective than rat poison, uh, maybe those are better choices for most people. And, you know, personally, I haven't prescribed Coumadin in years. And just so people have some ideas, some of the names of some of the newer alternative blood thinners, they go by names like Eliquis, Xarelto, and Pradaxa. And for most patients, those are going to be a better choice. Let's talk a little bit about controlling blood pressure. Uh, I know there's beta blockers, and I've heard that there's some that can cause some problems. Uh, Can you expand on that? So with beta blockers, one of the things that's important is is that beta blockers are a useful class of medication, and for certain patients, they're absolutely needed. But within the beta blocker family of medications, there are huge differences in terms of side effects and tolerability. So let's use a tenolol, or also called tenormin, as an example. That's a beta blocker that's been used for years to control blood pressure, slow heart rate, and also for heart failure. And, uh, you know, so... It has been studied compared to other medications and found to increase patients' risk of a stroke by as much as 26%. 
And our goal in medicine is to decrease your risk for strokes and heart attacks, not to increase your risk. So some have tried to understand why atenolol specifically causes that problem. And one theory is that although it lowers your blood pressure, it looks like, uh, you know, in the peripheral blood pressure, like where they measured in your arm, it does lower blood pressure. While at the same time, your blood pressure going to your brain and your heart is actually higher. And if you think about it, um, you know, when you get cold, your blood flow actually decreases in your arms and legs and increases in the center of your body. And so this is likely part of the reason that atenolol has this effect on stroke. So it's actually raising the blood pressure potentially in your brain. And even though when you record it in the arm, it looks normal. So, you know, patients also who take a significant dose of some of these type beta blockers will tell you that they feel like their hands and feet get cold and they feel tired all the time. Well, you know, that makes a lot of sense given what I just described, but there are lots of better options uh, for patients that are still in the same class, and that would be something worth talking with your doctor about. Uh, people with diabetes, for example, are often better off on either carvedilol or nabivalol, and those who have lung problems like asthma or COPD are better off on metoprolol or nabivalol. So, you know, some patients use this family of medications to help prevent migraines. And for those patients specifically, you know, low doses of the beta blocker propranolol are probably okay. You brought up diabetes. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, I understand there are really a whole family of older diabetes medications that uh, is not preferred anymore, but used commonly. Uh, can you tell us about those? Yes, this uh, family of medications uh, is called sulfonylureas, and they used to commonly be used to treat type 2 diabetes. They function by squeezing out as much insulin as they can out of your pancreas. So think about somebody grabbing your pancreas and wringing it like a giant towel to get as much insulin as they can out of it. And, you know, your pancreas is your organ that makes insulin, but unfortunately... Um, these drugs are also pretty tough on your pancreas and it appears to make it sort of lose its function sooner uh, so that your body can't produce its own insulin anymore. So it may actually speed you up to needing to get insulin when you're on this class of medicines. The other issue is that this class frequently causes low blood sugar or hypoglycemia and that can be really dangerous. Uh, and these drugs actually have been used as herbicides and plant poisons. Again, I'm not crazy about medications that uh, also work as commercial poisons. And, you know, some common examples of this class include glipizide, gliburide, and glimepiride. So anything for diabetes that ends in IDE might mean you are taking one of these medications. And they're just better options in general, including metformin, which is probably the best option for most type 2 diabetes patients. And it's so inexpensive, it's often even free at grocery store chains like uh, Publix. Other good options include the class called SGLT2s, uh, GLP1s, and DPP4s. Those would be medicines like uh, Genuvia, Trulicity, uh, Farxiga, things like that. And I realize that's a lot of alphabet soup and a lot of different names, but I'm throwing that out there so people can go and listen to the podcast later. And if they want to re-listen to that and make sure you know, what medications they're taking, they can kind of go through it item by item and see which ones they might want to talk with their doctor about. So that's mainly the, the real reasons that some people uh, get prescribed one of these older classes is just because they are so inexpensive and insurance plans actually prefer them as the cheaper option. Um, so I'll get back to what I said earlier, though. I don't prescribe medications for patients I would not feel comfortable with my family or myself taking. And I don't think I've prescribed uh, any of the medicines in this class for probably at least five to ten years. After the break, we're going to be going to summarize the key information of the show and potentially dangerous drugs and have Access Health Radio Trivia of the Week. 
It's time now for the Anxious Health Trivia of the Week. You know, digoxin is not the only poison that's ever been used in medicine. Arsenic has been used to treat some types of cancer and some compounds that have been actually derived from snake venom and even a lizard called the Gila monster have also been used for some blood pressure and diabetes drugs. So, you know, sometimes the things that are poisonous in nature are things that turn out to actually be uh, therapeutic. Gila monster. Okay. (laughs) What are the keys to remember from today's show? Well, I think first, uh, people need to remember that they should never stop a medication that has been prescribed by their healthcare provider on their own. Uh, you know, for example, if you decided, hey, I, I really don't want to be on Coumadin anymore, you know, and you stopped your blood thinner, uh, well, you could have a big clot and you could have a stroke or something worse like a pulmonary embolus or something if you did that. Same thing goes for heart medications and blood pressure medications. Some of those, if you stop them, you can have big spikes and potentially cause what you were trying to prevent in the first place. So there can be uh, better alternatives, but just remember not to stop or replace anything yourself without first just having that discussion with your health care provider. You always want to consult your own physician before you make any medication changes. And, you know, secondly, we've talked extensively about several medications that in the modern era may have better alternatives. Um, But, you know, I would say that uh, briefly, I would just cover this list again. And if you are taking any of these medications, you should question your physician about if there are any alternatives for these. So the classes uh, in order are digoxin, uh, beta blockers like atenolol, uh, benzodiazepines, uh, you know, uh, blood thinners like Coumadin or Warfarin, uh, muscle relaxants, and also sleep aids like Ambien. So those are things, if you're taking any of those, you really ought to stop and have that conversation. Now, we've talked specifically on the show today about specific medications that you might want to have the conversation with your physician or healthcare provider about stopping. But the other thing that's important to remember is sometimes you're just on too many medications. You know, there's a condition, a medical condition, we, we actually call polypharmacy. And polypharmacy means you're just on way too many medications. And, you know, sometimes those were all started with good intentions. But what happens is you get on things that just get refilled and sometimes you really don't need them anymore. So I'm going to tell a quick story. This is something I think the listeners will be interested in. I had a a patient a couple years ago that uh, wanted me to see his mom as a second opinion. And she was from about two hours away from down at the coast. And he brought her in and had me see her. And, you know, we went through a list of medications. She was on roughly 22 medications. And he said, you know, told me about all her conditions. And one of the medical conditions she had was Alzheimer's disease. Well, you know, we got her down at that very first visit. What I did is I called her specialist and found out what she'd been taking, why she was taking it. They basically had no good answer while she was still on some of these. And so we got her down from 22 medications down to roughly 10. And guess what? Her son called me back in about a week and said, guess what? Mom doesn't have Alzheimer's disease anymore. So it turns out that that combination of all those medications was actually making her worse. Um, So that's why I say, you know, don't only worry about specific medications, but always talk with your physician about is everything I'm taking absolutely necessary? And if it's not, you know, ask them to potentially deprescribe something. This concludes our show for this week, and hopefully you'll be able to use this information to be a better healthcare consumer. And our scripture this week is from Psalm 140, 1 through 3. Rescue me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who devise evil things in their hearts. They continually stir up wars. They sharpen their tongues as a serpent. 
poison of a viper is under their lips. Thanks for listening to Access Health Radio, and we look forward to joining you again next week at 4 p.m. on Sunday. Until then, God bless your health. Join us next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Access Health Radio.